Okay, so I just want to hear like the collective group reaction to this real quick. Sunset today is at a very cool 4.11 p.m. 4.11. I mean, it's justification for pouring that glass of wine a little earlier. (laughs) (laughs) If nothing else. (laughs) Hello, hello. This is Outside In, a show about the natural world and how we use it. I'm Justine Paradise. Some people love winter. But there's no denying that for those of us who live in the northern of the northern latitudes, it is dark, often cold, and it can be a long season to get through. So today we are offering tips on how to stay and keep cozy and survive the winter regardless of how frightful it is outside. And I'm here with producer Taylor Quimby. And Taylor, I understand that you have been searching for inspiration from the natural world for how to thrive in the cold season. Uh, yes. Have you ever felt jealous of animals that hibernate? Uh, yeah, I mean, like, of course, who hasn't? Who gets to sleep all winter? So I reached out to a hibernation scientist. Hi, my name's Jim Staples, and I'm a professor at the University of Western Ontario. Because I wanted to know if there were any life lessons that hibernators might have for us humans this time of year. (laughs) And he told me something that I thought was very cool. We believe that hibernation is, is the ancestral state. We think that the first mammals were pretty good at hibernation. Oh my God, so hibernation is in us. Like deep buried in our genetic code. Like if I was bit by a radioactive woodchuck, (laughs) maybe I could start hibernating. That would be like the most boring superhero movie ever. Like that he fell asleep (laughs) for the rest of the show. They're avoiding the winter by slowing down their lives. So when an animal hibernates, what it's doing is dramatically lowering the energy cost of survival, right? Their metabolism plummets, their breathing and heartbeat slows, and their temperature drops. Which, again, I I don't know, sounds sort of pleasant to me uh, when I'm thinking about hibernating under my covers. But then Jim told me something that changed my opinion. When they're in their hibernation phase, they are not actually asleep. Their brains are probably too cold. Too cold to sleep. They're just sitting there freezing cold. Ugh. So hibernation is not, in fact, a cozy months-long nap so much as a ice-cold semi-coma. Actually, some animals have to stop hibernating just to get some actual rest. For my study species, a 13-line ground squirrel, they will be in hibernation for 10 to 12 days continuously, and then spontaneously will increase their metabolism, raise their body temperature, and leave it there for about 10 to 12 hours. They seem to spend a lot of that time asleep. So yeah, in retrospect, I think that all sounds terribly unpleasant. I've decided there are no great lessons for modern humans uh, from the hibernators of the animal kingdom. Uh, Nothing to learn from from hibernators. (laughs) But maybe we can learn something from a hibernation scientist. I I imagine the impetus behind this program was because some of your listeners get kind of slumbery and slow in the winter. I'm kind of the opposite. And I know a number of people who are. There's nothing I like more than a, a crisp, cold, clear winter day. And after the sun sets, well, it's hockey season, so watch TV. So since there are no lessons to learn from hibernation and we cannot hibernate ourselves anyway, we must come up with alternatives to survive. Nay, thrive. We must thrive in the winter. So welcome to Outside In's second annual Free Luftsleeve show. Free Luftsleeve? Free Luftsleeve. Free Luftsleeve. If you haven't listened to last year's episode on it, Free Luftsleeve, 
is a Norwegian term for living your best life outdoors, cross-country skiing, cold-weather camping, saunas, ice baths, you name it. And it has its counterpart, kushle. 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 That special wintertime coziness represented by the things like the glow of candlelight, the steam rising off a cup of hot cocoa. I think the word kushle is quite kushle. It sounds like a pillow. All right, so I better introduce the, the, the Peter Gallery here. We have two more winter strategy experts here uh, to introduce. Welcome to Rebecca Lavoie, Cashmere Queen. Thank you. <laughs> Honorific. I will take it. She is also the podcast executive producer here at New Hampshire Public Radio. And welcome also to Jessica Hunt, Queen of Finding Antlers in the Woods. Yes. Antler correspondent. So for our recommendations show here, we have... Three basic categories, and I think that we should start with free Luftsleeve tips, tips for getting outside, winter gear, activities, that kind of thing. You all came with recommendations, right? Oh, yeah. I'll go first. Jessica. Because mine's really basic, and it's about starting small. Back in pre-pandemic days when I worked in an office, I made a resolution to walk for 20 minutes in 2020 every day. And... Because it was only 20 minutes, I kept to it pretty well. The amazing thing about winter to me is that you can go out in the middle of the day. You can go out any time and you can come back and you don't need a shower. I've been doing it for two years now, so it's an, and I generally walk for more like an hour, but I can say to myself, at least get out there for 20 minutes. I think the lack of showering is actually the key, <laughs> as she mentioned. That's right, because I would go out in the middle of the day. The thing, reason I love winter is it's never hot. Mm. There are some things, though, that you need to have. Uh, yak tracks or micro spikes on your feet if it's icy. I love my micro spikes. Same. Yeah. And micro spikes, just for the uninitiated, are like miniature crampons that you slip right onto your boots during the winter so you can walk on ice. It makes you feel like a gecko when you have the yak tracks on. Yeah. <laughs> it really does. It makes you feel like you're invincible. You, It's like this sheet of ice and you can just go across. I mean, you don't want to be too confident, but you feel like you can. <laughs> it's kind of awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're great inventions, micro spikes. But the thing that I'm thinking about is also like, maybe I just need to get a dog and you'll be going out for 20 minutes twice a day, basically. Uh, make that four or five. <laughs> twice as aspirational. Twice a day, one at midnight, maybe at 5 a.m. <laughs> who is uh, Who is next? Well, I have to go next because I'm building on Jessica. So, Jessica, I have two dogs. Uh, so I also, like you during the pandemic, started a walking routine. I go out for... Almost an hour every morning. I am always morning. And my thing that I'm going to recommend is going out, especially on the coldest days of the year. And there's a reason why I say that. Um, the gear that you need for that, by the way, and you may have to save up because they are expensive, is the most expensive parka you can afford. <laughs> that is key. <laughs> and uh, as a and side note, you can actually buy very expensive parkas secondhand in places like eBay and Threadless. And if it's uh, not your size and it's gigantic, you can actually bring it to a local tailor and they will take them in. So I go on the coldest days of the year because 
because A, I never regret it, as Jessica says. B, you can take amazing photographs of yourself with frozen hair on an incredible <laughs> landscape. I, I can vouch for the fact that like frozen beard pictures are make me feel so cool. That's right. <laughs> uh, everyone thinks you're badass, which mm-hmm. is a bonus. And the feeling of superiority you have all day long (laughs) when people are complaining about the cold, the weatherman on the radio, everyone inside is like, oh, it's cold out there. And you're like, "Uh uh-huh, sure. I was out there at 6 a.m. with my dogs, guys. So I just want to say I would take Jessica's routine, be even more daring, elevate it, and go out when it's 10 or 20 below. You will not regret it. You won't. So everything I've ever suspected about morning people and how they think that they're superior to me is true. Yes. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) 100%. Sorry. Here's my question, though, Rebecca. Like, when you say get the most expensive one you can find... I often find that like with luxury goods, like the quality and the expense, like don't necessarily align. But do you find that that's true with your parka and why? It is true with mine. Um, the parka that I have, uh, I don't, should I say the brand name or not? Maybe we don't do not. That? Okay. The parka that I have uh, has the name of a country in it and the name of a bird. <laughs> <laughs> you can probably guess. Yeah. <laughs> and it is like wearing a house on your body. It's not even like you go outside and you feel the cold, but you're kind of warm. It's like you don't even feel the cold. Mm. The stores where this parka with the country name and the bird in it are sold, they actually have a cold room in the store, so you can go in and try on their parkas. Are you serious? Yeah. And um, (laughs) So if if you're curious and you want to just see for yourself without buying one of these things, you can try it out. But those, those, like the very special brands, you probably don't find in the thrift shop too much. Oh, no. Oh, you do? Look it up, my friend. Look it up. You would be very surprised. That'll be the next episode, Thrift Shop Strategy. Yeah. Recommendations. We can have, who's who's the the rapper? We can have Macklemore on. (laughs) Very outside in. Popping tags. (laughs) Taylor, what is your recommendation? Okay, so I, I really appreciate these ideas about getting out on the regular, but I have a suggestion for sort of like one special event that can take place in the dark and cold of winter. Uh, My son came up with this great idea uh, because he's a big fan of glow sticks. And he came up uh, with this idea that we would do a special outdoor event called the Glow Olympics. (laughs) That's the funniest name. How old is Finn again? He is uh, 10. I had to think about it. Jeez. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, you know, and he came up with a a whole set of games and then we sort of talked through them and came up with what they would be. The first one was hide and glow seek, where, you know, you'd hide a whole bunch of glow sticks uh, on the (laughs) playground in the dark and then send the kids out. And whoever collects the most gets, you know, the equivalent of a gold medal, which is also another glow stick. Um, (laughs) The second one was called the globstacle course, Hmm. which was just an obstacle course with some glow sticks incorporated into it. I'm sensing a theme. Yes. Uh, we have a glow-in-the-dark frisbee, so we did glow discus. Hmm. And then the last one was, we actually struggled to come up with a good pun name for this. It's a version of hot potato, and it can be either called hot glow-tato hmm. or glow-potato. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, we set this up at a park um, not far from where we live. We invited a few of Finn's friends. We met at 5.15, at which point it was already pitch black basically midnight yeah and perfect for glow stick games and you know it was like an hour of some of the best fun i think these kids had had in a long time it was a very successful and cheap event you know i I mean i think i spent 20 bucks on glow sticks 
And you don't have to make up any sports either. You just stole other sports and put the word glow in them. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I did almost nothing creative for this. Okay, Justine, what about you? I like taking film photos and sometimes I'll do it on like my nice camera with nice film Mm -hmm. but I also really like getting like a really crappy disposable camera and just being like I'm going to take all of the photos today because a lot of the time I feel like we take photos especially when we're on like special events like a birthday or when we go on vacation and then sometimes I'll look back through my photos and be like I haven't I don't have any photos of just my ordinary days and my ordinary life Mm. um and in winter, the light is really, really cool. Like the angles are really acute. And because there's no leaves on the trees, you can get some crazy shadows. Hmm. So I would suggest um, taking a disposable camera out on a walk and saying, I'm going to take the entire roll. I'm always looking for any excuse to sort of get beyond just taking a picture that ends up on this endless slew of pictures yes. on my phone. And the disposable mm-hmm. camera thing, like you will print them. You have to print them. Right. I brought my son a Polaroid a couple years ago, and it was really, really fun. He brought it to D.C. with him when he was a Senate page, and it was like the film was really expensive. So he only had 24 pictures at a time, and he would like that would last him like a month. He's like, one picture a day. You don't want to waste it. They're like a dollar each. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Uh, I mean, you don't have to get them printed. You can get them just developed to a CD. But what is kind of nice is like, let's say you have family that lives really far away and you go out with, you know, your kids or um, your partner or something, then you can like give the entire role to somebody and it might just be like kind of a goofy gift. Yeah. What on earth could you play a CD? I don't have anything that can play a CD anymore. <laughs> I don't believe one plays a CD of photos. <laughs> just <laughs> throwing it out there. <laughs> Skip. <laughs> Not flattering. So we asked the folks on our podcast Facebook discussion group, which, by the way, you should totally join if you have not, what is your favorite or most essential piece of winter gear? A lot of people mentioned micro spikes and headlamps. Barbara recommended a heated mattress pad and lots of knitting. Dane studded snow tires. Andy recommended the classic New England treat cider donuts. And Nathan Batty, a nice luxury that he likes to have around is an external battery pack to keep the phone charged in the cold because those batteries can really run out when it's freezing. And he also notes that it doubles as a hand warmer, which I'd never thought of. So why don't we take a break now that we've gotten through our free loop sleeve outside recommendations and um, we will be back with more. But before we go, remember Outside In is made possible with your support. So please help us ring in the new year by making a donation. You can do that at our website, outsideinradio.org. Welcome back to our second annual free Luftsleeve recommendation show, where we are strategizing on how best to navigate the cold, dark months of winter. We've talked about our outdoor tips, uh, how to get outside, our free Luftsleeve tips, and now we are on to the concept of couchele, which is the concept of coziness when you just can't see your way to getting outside and you need some good television essentially it's like you gotta you gotta binge for a while before you're like, okay, I should probably turn this off. <laughs> 
<laughs> Jessica, you went first last time. Do you want to do it again? I'm going to recommend something that surprises even myself that I like it and that I sought it out and that I was watching it at a time when it was only coming out once every two weeks or once a month. And I was like, oh, when is the next one? <laughs> because I love British mysteries and I love the Scandi stuff. Mm -hmm. So this is a documentary about extreme surfing. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's different. <laughs> Even though Mount Everest had been climbed, the 100-foot wave has never been ridden. I've been surfing my whole life, just looking for bigger and bigger and bigger. He's inspired a whole new generation to want to go ride these giant waves. It was mesmerizing. The photography was incredible. And this person that they followed, um, he's surfing like 100-foot waves. What is this thing called? It's called 100-foot wave. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Bury the lead. <laughs> I, I just fell in love with the guy himself, Garrett McNamara, who's doing this. He's 53 now or thereabouts. The way he talks about his whole journey, like his struggles, he just wants the rush, losing the rush, what it's like in the tube, how, getting hurt, getting older. It's fascinating. We're in the warehouse, everybody's suiting up, and I remember walking up to everybody, I go, look, I'll go out there with you guys, but we're going out there pure and simple for the love of it, for fun, just to go have fun. Surf for the right reasons, just to do what we want to do, not for anybody else except for ourselves, not for this, not for that, just to go get waves and have fun and do what we want to do. He's got that surfer vibe. Yeah. 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 He has this whole interesting backstory. His mom took him and his brother and joined a cult, a religious cult, and they grew up like scrounging for food, no shoes. I mean, it's not like he was this wealthy surfer dude out in California. And you can't tell from just the sound of the trailer. These waves are like unbelievable. They're monsters. That's what they call them. They're like sea monsters. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. And they talk about being out there and this guy who's got like this great accent. He's just like out there for the first time on a, a um, jet ski and he's like, I felt like I was being hunted. Like everything's <laughs> crashing around all over. But, you know, it's just, it's so cool. Where do I watch this thing? Uh, HBO Max. Wow. I'm in. Cool. You got sucked up into the barrel and then like a cannon just... Opened my eyes, looked up. Rebecca, you go next. So mine is super bleak. Um, I, <laughs> I did not get the cozy note at all. Um, sorry, guys. But it's really good. I'm going to recommend a Netflix series called Dark. It's German. Oh. It was actually the first German language series on Netflix. And do not be deterred by the fact that it's in German. Although I would say do not watch it with English dubbing because the dubbing is so stupid. Watch it in German. <laughs> Gestern, heute Morgen folgen sich aufeinander. Sie sind in einem ewigen Kreis miteinander verbunden. You want to watch it with subtitles anyway, because this is the kind of show that if you don't pay attention to it anyway, you're going to be completely lost. It takes place in a fictional tiny town of Vinden, Germany, a town where there is a, sort of this looming, ominous nuclear power plant. And clearly at some point, some sort of nuclear disaster caused this little uh, time travel portal situation. And there is this loop of time travel that's happening in 33-year increments. So at the beginning of the show, it starts with a missing child. 
And, you know, I think the viewer is supposed to believe initially the child is missing. And then it becomes clear very quickly that the child perhaps went back in time. And uh, the the nuclear tie-in for Outside In, very good. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) I was told it should be loosely environmentally tied. Um, So I'm like, okay, well, you know, there are implications there. Yeah, there's energy. It's an energy story. Yes, exactly. I watched the first season years ago, and I loved it. But when... You know, the time between the first season and the second season. Long time. It was a long time. And when the second season came out, I just forgotten because it was a really complex show. And I I couldn't remember all the stuff that had happened. This is a perfect time to binge the whole shebang. This show really reminds me of Twin Peaks and its vibe. It's got a lot of Twin Peaks. It's And honestly, the acting, the young actors in it especially are incredible. All the performances are great, but the young actor, especially who plays Jonas, the main character, I just adore him. Yeah. Adore that him. is really rare. I feel like child actors are like almost always bad. Ch- child actors are often not great, and teenage actors are often actually in their 30s. <laughs> <laughs> That's Uh, TQ. Okay, so my TV recommendation is the reality TV show Alone, um, which is on the History Channel. Uh, It's streamable on Hulu, but there's also one season that's on Netflix right now. And the basic premise is that you've got a bunch of contestants. They go out into the so-called wilderness, um, placed in different places each season. Um, They've got a handful of basic tools that they're allowed to bring. and, And basically the last person to call it quits... Uh, wins a bunch of money. And all the footage is literally shot by these contestants, so it's not like there's producers like hanging around. They're, they're always grappling with GoPros and setting up cameras while they're chopping down trees and building their shelter. Um, so it really is more alone, quote-unquote, than probably a lot of the other shows that you would think in this genre. So so anyway, the season that I watch is the one on Netflix, and I, it's, it's just hard to describe how crazy it is. So I'm going to play this clip. You ain't going to believe this I just stabbed this muskox to death whoa oh Jesus Christ Lord. warning <laughs> <laughs> we got big game yeah so <laughs> okay I, I didn't see that coming yeah I, I, I jumped into a pretty pivotal moment there um but really I it, like it is a bit of the sort of survivalist thing but but the people who are doing it are not, are not necessarily like doomsday preppers. A lot of them are people who just have a lot of tracking and hunting experience. They really run the gamut from people who have different relationships with the outdoors, like some people who kind of almost see it as an enemy that needs to be dominated and other people who come in with this like much more wholesome point of view. So the show's, the show's been around since 2015. Uh, but I really knew nothing about it until my family recommended it. And my stepsister and her girlfriend, they they were talking to me about it before I watched it, and they were really interested in the gender dynamics of the show. First season has no women. After that, they started introducing them more and more. And, you know, they, they my stepsister was pointing out, she's like, listen, it's really wild because a lot of the times you can tell when a dude is just about to drop out because he starts talking about how much he misses his family. And the women are just like, I'm so happy to be alone. <laughs> <laughs> Finally away from my family. Uh, so, and truly, there was this one episode where there's like a couple of these really tough dudes. They've got like military experience. They seem like they are doing a very good job in the wilderness. And then they more or less have some breakdowns. They drop out. And, and then meanwhile, Callie, this contestant who at first seems like flighty, she's kind of goofing off a little too much in the beginning when she needs to be like getting down to business and making her shelter. Um, 
And she's just like having a ball. She dressed up as a porcupine for Halloween <laughs> and like has her own little nighttime, like little nighttime festival. It's such a powerful realization, you know? Like there's all these conveniences and they're all nice, but there's something missing from it. And that thing that's missing is right here. It's a connection, it's a relationship, it's a depth. And it's here, and it's in this rabbit, and it's in this fire, and it's in this land. And I feel more free than I've ever felt because I get to do what I love. I love my family, but I'm loving this alone time. You know, I just know that the longer I'm away, the sweeter it's gonna be when I see them again because this is an opportunity to go deep. I'll just leave it at that. Way to go, Callie. She's so cool. She's so cool. I won't give it away um, in terms of like who wins or any of that stuff. But it just seems like a, a really interesting show to watch in the middle of winter when you're sort of all wrapped up and you don't have to worry about that stuff. I think you get a little of the like kushle because you're watching people who are not having a kushle time. <laughs> Look at me in my blankets. <laughs> Trick or treat! I'm a porcupine. <laughs> Happy Halloween. All right. My TV recommendation is The Great. <sighs> Love it. Love it. A toast to my new wife, the Empress of Russia. Huzzah! It is... No, you don't talk, my love. Oh, of course. So this is described as an occasionally true depiction of Catherine the Great, um, who in reality, after she staged a coup against her husband, Peter III, was Russia's longest ruling female leader. Um, and her reign was apparently considered one of Russia's golden ages. And the reason that this is relevant to outside-in listeners, Catherine the Great was an enthusiastic supporter of the Enlightenment, which real quick, a time in Europe which coincided with the birth of the United States that was just, you know, hot with ideas of science and liberty and equality, separation of church and state. Um, hard to overstate how revolutionary these ideas were and are. Mm. Um, but science, you know, th- this that's my very tenuous peg to recommending this for <laughs> outside-in listeners. <laughs> it, has a, it has a nice outdoor landscape, uh, you know, scenes, too, where they're walking around in the garden and stuff. I yeah. mean, there's Thanks, that Rebecca. Too. True. You're welcome. Yes, All you're welcome. these shows have some outdoor scenes. It's, it's, just, it's just so good. I mean, it Nicholas, has trees in it. Nicholas Holt and Elle Fanning, oh it is God. hard to understate, like, how great they are in mm. this show. But so, yes, a very fictionalized dark comedy slash drama. So Catherine's married to Peter and he is, you know, an absurd king. And uh, let's play a scene in which she's been trying to get Peter, her husband and the public in general to accept variolation, which um, is a treatment of smallpox, which was a precursor to vaccines. I know there is fear of the pox. What are you doing? I have just collected the pus from Chekhov. But we can stop it. If we place it in the bloodstream a tiny amount, our body learns to accommodate it. No, that's not... So it will not kill us. It is not unlike freedom. We absorb a small amount, knowing it is not dangerous. (laughs) A lot of overlap here with uh, current events. What the f*** are you doing? What the f*** are you doing? Stop. What is she doing? Join me in moving our country forward. Did you just put pox on you? We you f***ing idiots. Why would you do that? Oh, 
was the best. I've even seen this show, and that clip made me laugh out loud. Don't tell you, gotta see it. The season season two just came out, so again, also a great time to watch this. I'm watching the second season right now. But quick aside here, I mentioned that Catherine the Great was very pro enlightenment. And if you want something to pair with your TV entertainment, I'm actually reading this book right now called The Dawn of Everything by David Graeber and David Wengrow, who argue that a lot of the ideas that we associate with the Enlightenment, like freedom, were inspired by indigenous critiques of Western society. Mm. But anyway, The Great is very raunchy. It's very smart. And again, it's a good time to watch it because there's a lot of new episodes that just came out. What's the uh, what's the platform we can watch it on? Hulu. Ugh. A lot of great stuff there. I sign up for Hulu like one I'll month. I'll give you my password. It's fine. <laughs> I'll give you my password. <laughs> All right. So that's our on screen recommendations. But now let's turn off the TV and turn to off-screen activities and objects to recommend to get us through these winter months? I was very proud. Um, my recommendation has a clip, even though it isn't screen-based. Oh. Uh, so my indoor couche activity is a very specific puzzle that I recently discovered. Have ha- Has everybody here also got into puzzling because of the pandemic? Yeah. Okay. So I like puzzles. I don't love them. Um, my girlfriend and I have been doing them as a way to, like, decompress at the beginning of a vacation. And so we don't want a puzzle that takes forever. 750 pieces is our sweet spot. Hmm. But our (laughs) latest vacation uh, over the Thanksgiving break, we discovered this puzzle that was just way more fun than any I have ever put together. It's made by a company called The Magic Puzzle Company. They launched their first series of puzzles on Kickstarter a couple of years ago. And and here is a clip from their Kickstarter announcement. <laughs> like a trailer for the puzzle. Yeah, exactly. Normally, jigsaw puzzles don't have an exciting ending. You put in the last piece and you're done. We've designed these so that when that last piece goes in, <laughs> it triggers a magic trick, which reveals a special ending to the story of the puzzle. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. <laughs> no secret puzzle. I like secret things. Oh my God. No. Oh my so. God. <laughs> Is it a, what? it's not a spoiler alert? Like, what is it? Should I tell? I want to tell you. I just want to really know cool. if you squealed like that when you did, when you <laughs> oh, finished your puzzle. Yeah, we can so, tell listeners to fast forward like 30 seconds if they don't want to know. Yeah. Oh, do you want to do that? Okay. Let's do it. Okay. Starting now. Here is what happens. The puzzle itself is made out of like several giant pieces almost that after you finish the puzzle, you move them around according to secret instructions and it opens a hole in the puzzle and then you open a second like envelope that has more pieces and then there's like a secret story ending in the middle of the puzzle and it it's, was genuinely so delightful wow. we were all like high-fiving and shouting with glee like these people from this goofy trailer on wonderful. kickstarter wonderful i feel like that the, the alternative ending to puzzles is like someone basically one person takes it on themselves to finish the puzzle and they're kind of like grouchy at other people because everyone else has abandoned it so like oh, yeah. the other ending to puzzles is so much more like alone <laughs> I find the ending to puzzles is, uh, never mind, sweep it into the box. <laughs> <laughs> this is perfect. Wait, so what's the name of the puzzle again? Well, the, the company is the Magic Puzzle Company, and they have three different puzzles. All of them have gorgeous art and, and also really high-quality puzzle pieces, which I have now learned actually matters. Like, that matters a lot. Yeah. When your puzzle pieces start falling falling apart before you're finished, that is 
a disappointment. Taylor, I've got something for you. Yeah. Just so you know, I can ease you into the thousand piecers. There's a New Hampshire company called White Mountain Puzzles. They make very achievable thousand piecers that make you feel very good about yourself. <sighs> and it's they're very high quality and they last. So I will give you all of my used but still doable puzzles. Oh, my goodness. You're going to feel great about yourself. I'm so excited. (laughs) I love all these puzzle opinions. It's amazing. Let's have let's have Rebecca go next. All right, mine is brief. Mine comes from uh, way back in time, in the year in which the first teddy bear, the Ford Model A, and the first Wright Flyer uh, airplane flight went in the air. My recommendation was patented. It is the rubber hot water bottle that you can buy <laughs> at any pharmacy for approximately nine ninety nine. Mm. Um, I have mine right here. I keep it in this very cute Harris jacket. Um, I love a hot water bottle. You fill it with very, very hot tap water. And the trick is then you squeeze out all the air before putting the cap on and it stays hot all night. Wow. I put it in bed about like 15 minutes before I go to bed on the bottom. You get in, your feet are nice and cozy. The other thing you can do is you can put it on the couch with you, under your blanket while you're watching all your dark shows on Netflix (laughs) or The Great. (laughs) Cannot recommend it highly enough. Can I take a picture of you posing with it? Because it looks... Oh, well, the jacket, yeah, the thing jacket is, not included. Yeah, jacket, jackets you can buy them on Etsy. They're great. Honestly, the red hot water bottle looks like something like from a medical supply place. When you put it in that jacket, it's like it should be on the crown. Isn't it the cutest thing yeah. in the entire world? <laughs> I was totally thinking of the crown when I saw that. Yeah. Well, this is Harris Tweed. It was made in the Outer Hebrides. I bought it on a trip to London a couple of years ago, so it kind of is like from the crown. <laughs> <laughs> you know what clan it's from? No. (laughs) (laughs) Next level. You know, when I was a kid, my mother had that exact same pink um, hot water bottle. And I thought it was really weird looking. Gross. Like it kind of freaked me out. It's gross without the jacket. It is. Yeah. It's real and it feels gross. But if you put it in they also make these in fleece. I mean you can buy a jacket for them for a couple bucks. They're yeah. but covering it is actually very important. Otherwise when you put your foot on it at night it does feel like you're sleeping with a warm chicken. So <laughs> <laughs> a warm rubber chicken. Uh. Jessica Hunt, you're up. Okay. Um, I'm going to recommend something that I do every year. Uh, Actually, I do it earlier and earlier every year. I make glug. It's mulled wine, which would be wine with spices. But it's more than that because it is fortified. And that means that it also has port and or brandy or Akavit. I've made it with several different things. I thought you were going to say with vitamins. Fortified with vitamins. Fortified with alcohol. No, it's the right kind of fortified. (laughs) (laughs) And lots of it. It's very potent. All those warm spices like cinnamon, um, ginger, Mm. cardamom, star anise, uh, lemons and oranges, juice and zest and raisins. uh, traditionally, you would put in a blanched almond, but I think they look like fingers, so I don't <laughs> use those. <laughs> and it served warm, and it smells amazing. Also, this year, I strained out all this stuff, all the like lemon and ginger and spices. I used it as potpourri on my oven. Nice. Hey, that's right. Very on brand. What's the uh, where does glug come from? Do you know? Sweden. Mm-hmm. I think mean, every country has like a version of mulled wine, yep. like glue wine. I think is German. 
I will be honest. I, I, I love the idea, but I just I like can't handle warm red wine. It just goes right to headache you for me. You can also do it with white wine. Ooh. Warm white wine, maybe? If it's white wine, do you call it wug? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, great one. I mine is also a um, a sort of food and drink based recommendation. Um, it is to throw a midwinter banquet, and I use the term banquet deliberately because this is not dinner party. This is throwing like a serious, like formal, throw out all the stops kind of party. Now the backstory is to this one is my my birthday's in January, and as Anyone who has an early winter birthday also knows that it's like a serious drag to have a birthday yeah. in January. Yeah. People have just partied a lot and like many people have done New Year's resolutions where they don't want to, you know, have delicious things or don't really want to spend a lot. So it's like if austerity was like a time of year, it's the first two weeks of January, you know. <laughs> Justine, I bet you did not get as many presents as a kid. I bet you got a lot of combo. Like this is for Christmas and your birthday, right? It was like right on the edge where that, but like people were out of ideas, you know? Yeah, so yeah. it's, it was, it's fine. It's fine. I, like some people have that lot in life. <laughs> That's, people say it's fine <laughs> when it's not. We it's all fine. Know that. It's code. Um, <laughs> so, but a couple of years ago, I was talking with a friend who had this same affliction and we decided that we would combine our birthday celebration and just push it off a little bit to midwinter when everyone wants a party you know it's like a public service to have like a good party and the dress code was formal so put your bells on it could be goofy formal but like wear something cool we got like pretty candles and tablecloth we bought like half a case of nice wine and just like put it out you know so it's like not like should we open another bottle it's like the bottles are open you yeah. know and then for dinner i use this cookbook which is basically it's um it's called how to eat a peach and it's a book of menus so like you know when you have like a really amazing dinner with many many courses but at the end of it you don't feel full you just feel like peaceful and good like a really well-designed dinner. I would love to tell you that that is something I've experienced, but my eating habits are like, don't eat during the day and eat three meals at night. <laughs> Taylor's like, give me a fistful of hot peppers and then a bunch of Twizzlers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, too close. Well, that is a great idea for an evening as well, but it's just a different evening than this one. <laughs> so anyway, we, we just, we picked one of these menus um, and like, it's kind of like the Glow Olympics. It's like make it friggin' special, you know. Yeah. Let's let's like call this like a, a banquet. Let's call this a, a a fabulous evening. I love this idea. I mean, I think I think this is the struggle in wintertime, is that it is often just easier to kind of like put off your plans, to bail on the thing that sounds exciting but requires you to go out when it's been dark for two hours already, and and so and finding any excuse to be like we're making this. A moment seems yes. like a really positive thing. Yeah, I, I like this a lot. I like it too. I'm waiting for the invitation. No kidding. Can't wait. <laughs> I mean, she shouldn't have talked about this in front of us because now we're just going to feel. Everyone's waiting. <laughs> we can do a big banquet. Why not? I feel cozy. Very cushly. <laughs> well, thank you everyone for your incredible recommendations, and um, thank you everyone for listening. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Hey, Happy New Year. You guys too. If you've got your own winter survival tips you'd like to add, please email us at outsidein at nhpr.org. 
We will be assembling and sharing some of them for our next newsletter. And there's a link to subscribe to that in the show notes. Thank you to everybody who has written in already, including Carl, who has this final bit of free loose sleeve wisdom. He wrote us, in olden days, when rural kids had to walk to school, their moms would bake potatoes to put into their pockets. And at recess, or whatever they called it in those days, the potatoes could be a morning snack or even lunch. Outside In was produced this week by Taylor Quimby with help from Jessica Hunt, Rebecca Lavoie, and me, Justine Paradise. It was mixed by Taylor Quimby. Additional editing by all of us on this episode and Felix Poon. Our executive producer is Rebecca Lavoie. Our theme is by Breakmaster Cylinder and additional music by Blue Dot Sessions. Outside In is a listener-supported podcast from New Hampshire Public Radio. You can support the show by donating at outsideinradio.org. 